So I'm going I'm to talk tonight on rest, and we're going to be looking at Hebrews 3 and 4. Uh, before, so as I pray for this time, I, I, try to, I try to get a word for you from the Lord that it wouldn't just be what I would say to you, but it would be actually something that God would speak to you into your lives. And that, that way, um, if I say those things, and it's, it's kind of selfish in ways, but it also brings me peace because I know I'm not just speaking out of what I desire to say or what I've been studying, but I'm actually, as I'm preparing for the message, for you, I'm actually thinking about you and what God would have me say to you. Um, again, you know, you'll hear me say this regularly because it's, I think it's so important in our lives as Christians that we eagerly seek after the gift of prophecy that we'd eagerly seek after the gift of God in his words for us and for others through us, that we'd be mindful of others and then be mindful of God and what God would speak from our hearts, from the spirit of God living in our hearts and in our minds into their lives. And so this is, this is what he had for us. We have his perfect or his Sabbath rest in Hebrews um, Three and four, believe it or not, eight of the nine times that that word rest is used in the New Testament, it's in Hebrews. I thought that was a curious fact. Um, and then Sabbath, the Sabbath rest is only used in the book of Hebrews. So Sabbath is used a lot in the New Testament, but it's only used in the context of that specifically Sabbath rest in Hebrews. So we have his perfect or his Sabbath rest in life when we allow his word to unite with confident belief and obedience. I'm going to say that again. We, we all desire his perfect peace. I believe that's something that everybody, even non-believers, would desire is, is perfect peace. God says that he has that for us. He says that we have to diligently seek it, and we will receive it when we allow his word, scripture, and his specific personal word for us in the moment, if it's not clear in the scriptures, to unite with our confident belief in that word and obedience, living out that word in action and deed. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, for who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So the context of this, is, again, is reflecting, like, we talked about the last, like I talked about the last time I, I spoke here, was about the, the Israel na Israelite nation coming out of Egypt into the promised land. And how when they came out of the promised land, they were, they were thrown a challenge right away without having water. And so in that moment, they had a choice to believe what God had spoken about in their lives about the promised land, or they could look at their circumstances and say, this is not right, this is not what should be going on, Moses, why did you bring us here? They, they rooted themselves in unbelief in the promises that God had given them, and they disobeyed, and they grumbled and complained. 
You with me? Chapter 4, Hebrews, verse 1. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, which he has given us, any one of you may seem to come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For if Joshua had given them rest, Joshua brought them into the promised land, now God is talking about a different type of rest for us. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Hallelujah. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. So the promise for us tonight is that God has a Sabbath rest for us all. He desires for us to be at peace. Jesus came that we would have peace with God for eternity. But he desires that on a day-to-day basis. Ultimately, there's not going to be a need to diligently seek out his rest because we're going to have it in heaven. Glory be to God. Is everybody excited for that? Because it could happen, right? The end times are here. It could happen any night. It could happen any day. So we should get excited for that. But in the meantime, we should be diligently seeking out his rest here on earth and, and know what that looks like, know what that feels like. Belief in that rest, the belief that we have that rest at our beck and call at any given time because of the Spirit of God living in us needs to unite with the obedience that God desires for us to stay in that rest. I'm going to read a, a, an exposition by a man named McLaren, and I, I think this is profound the way he wrote. I mean, I believe this, this is beautiful. So feel free to close your eyes and just listen. It's not too long, but it's, it's fairly long. I say faith rather than belief because I wish to emphasize the distinction between the Christian notion of faith and the common notion of belief. The latter is merely the acceptance of a proposition as true, and that is not enough to bring rest to any soul, though it may bring rest to the understanding. It is a great pity, though one does not quite see how it could have been avoided, that so frequently in the New Testament, to popular apprehension, the depth of the meaning of that one requirement of faith is obscured because it is represented in our version by the word believe, which has come to be appropriated to the mere mere intellectual act. But if you will notice that the writer of this epistle, Hebrews, uses two other words as interchangeable with belief, you will understand the depth of his meaning better. Sometimes he speaks out of our confidence, by which he means precisely the same thing. Sometimes he speaks of our obedience, by which he means precisely the same thing. So there is an element of voluntary submission implied, and there is an element of outgoing confidence implied in the word. And when he says, we which have believed do enter into rest, he does not mean we which acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, but we who, acknowledging, let our hearts go out to him in trust and our wills bow down before him in obedience and submission. 
we thereby do enter into rest. Carry with these two thoughts then, confidence and obedience as indispensable elements in the New Testament conception of faith. And then you can understand the great saying of my text, which he was referencing Hebrews. So we have his perfect or Sabbath rest in life when we allow his word to unite with confident belief, trust in God and what he has said, and obedience. So in the, in the Hebrew mind frame, there, there were certain concepts that could not be separated. So faith and works, right? As, as a lot of people grow in their faith, they're challenged by these two different, seemingly different words. Without faith, by grace, sorry, by, without grace through faith, we are not saved, but we're not saved through works that no man can boast. Yet, faith without works is dead. It's, but in the concept of that Hebrew mentality, faith and works are not separated. They cannot be separated. So you can't talk about saving faith without works. You can't talk about abiding works, right, in Christ without having saving faith. And it is thus with rest in our lives. We cannot truly rest Sabbathly in the Lord day in and day out without obedience. We cannot rest and have the Sabbath rest of God if we don't have right beliefs. If we don't truly trust God and his word above what we see and hear and and think around us in the world. So, amen. Amen. So I'm going to delve a little bit into this in terms of the belief system and and what, what God wants us to believe about him. So, we need to root in our lives, and I'm going to give a list of these things, and, and you might want to take time like, to listen to Paula's message or Bob's message and, and to, to regurgitate and hear these messages that God has given to these, these ministers of the faith to you as a, as a congregation of this body that's specific to you. I don't know if you've done this, but I've listened to a lot of sermons from, by a lot of different preachers, and they, you know, Expressions 58 with, with Jen Toledo and her husband in, in California and Bethel's and all. But they're, they're speaking to that congregation. Now, we're part of the body, but there are unique words to specific bodies. So I highly encourage you to listen again to what Bob and Paula said and, and perhaps listen to this message again in regards to your right beliefs. Because I'm going to list a bunch, even though they're a bit out of context. Um, the one that is clearly in context, I believe, is this first one, believe that he loves you. So Hebrews 4, a little further down in Hebrews 4, verse 14, God says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So hallelujah, a few things, a few beliefs come out of that statement. One is that he loves us. He loved us enough to leave his throne, to pass through the heavens to come to this earth, and then die a horrible death, right? Also in this passage, it talks about our call, our belief that we can draw near to God. So do you believe that he is near, that he is here, that he is in you? 
and that he desires for you to draw near to him because he has grace and mercy in your time of need, that he actually wants to minister to you day in and day out in a personal way to you specifically. Do you believe that? I think everybody here does. Hallelujah. But as, as, we, as we root these beliefs in our hearts, it, perf- it pushes us into action, right? So that, those two beliefs, God loves us and God desires to be near and for us to draw near to him because he's going to speak to us. We're going we're gonna, to, out of that belief, we're going to make time to listen to him. We're going to take time out of our day to stop and say, what do you want to talk to us about, Lord? Right? So every day I get up, every day, and the first thing I do is I go to this chair, this comfy, cozy chair. Actually, the first thing I do is I go get coffee. <laughs> then, I, then I go back and go to the comfy, cozy chair, and I sit with the Lord. I'll never forget hearing, um, and I can't think of his name, out of IHOP. He would go to the rock regularly, just a passionate, like, fire, fire. Anybody? Corey Russell. And I was on a men's retreat, and he said, when he has his time with the Lord, he spends 30 minutes, before he does anything else, before he opens up the word, he spends 30 minutes speaking in tongues. And I'll never forget that. It convicted my heart, and I was like, what? And he went in to talk about why that was, so that his heart would be settled, and he would start to, you know, he would, he would get in the spirit. Because who knows here that, that our flesh can get in the way of the spirit's dialogue with us, right? So his mentality was, you know, sit in the spirit, pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit, and then engage in listening and engage in the word in terms of the scripture. But I know that the Lord has this word for all of us. If you do not do this, I highly recommend obedience in the command that God has given us to meditate on his word day and night, to seek him, to draw near to him, consistently in this so every day I do that in the morning but I'm, I'm as I'm trying to mature in the faith it becomes a, a reality in my day-to-day living so as I'm talking to somebody I'm also talking to the Lord I'm listening to the Lord so as I'm hearing somebody speak words to me I'm, I'm also in the spirit trying to listen to what God has to say to them and as you practice as you draw near to God because we if we believe that God loves us does he love the people around us of course he deeply loves them But if we think we're going to speak words of life into them apart from him, we're mistaken. So as we believe that we need to hear from him to speak truth into others, we're going to pursue him in those relationships with people around us. It's difficult. For me, it's very difficult to be quiet, as you probably could guess. And so I've tried to practice more and more this mentality of, I'm not going to speak until I listen first. So a few other beliefs, again, like this, I, I want to fill my word in regards to some beliefs that I, that I really want you to meditate on. Do you really believe that he has an awesome plan for you today? But more importantly, do you believe that he has a plan for you for eternity? That your thoughts, do you believe that your thoughts and actions today make an eternal difference? These are all things that I believe are clear in the word of God. Do you really believe it? Do you believe that your obedience or your disobedience to God's commands can do you harm and can harm those around you? Do you, do you believe that your sin can actually negatively affect those around you? God is merciful, but he clearly tells us that when we sow to the flesh, we reap destruction. Do we really believe that? Do we take the sins in our lives seriously 
and believe that those things affect us and our eternal future and those around us? Do you believe that you are not saved by your works, but by grace through faith? So back to what Paula was saying about, you know, the Mennonites. Do you really believe that you're saved by grace, the gift of God, through the faith that even he has given you unto salvation? You believe that deep in your heart so that you're not, so that when you start to work because you want to please God, you stop and you say, oh, this is not right. I will not be into the bondage of the law and legalism. Do you believe that what is going on in your life is in some way ordained by God for your benefit and for the benefit of others for eternity? Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? I'm doing premarital counseling with this couple, and that's where I start with my premarital counseling. Do you believe the Bible? All of my counseling is going to be kind of fruitless because I'm basing it on the word of God. So I just want to know up front, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? If you really believe that, you're going to take seriously what he says. You're not just be like, ah, oh, it's, just, it's just a good book. It's just, I was talking to this, this homeowner recently, and she, she pursued this. So I had freedom to talk about Jesus with this, this person who hasn't yet even closed on their home. Um, and, and she's like, I just believe the Bible is just good stories. And I'm like, huh. so she's a, she's a periodontist. So she's been through like six, seven years of school, like very highly educated, very intelligent woman. And I'm like, where do you get this? Like that it's just a book that has good stories. Because I've had years of studying this book, not just in terms of, you know, reading it and listening for God and then living it out and seeing the fruit of that, but also just the, the testimony of the miracles that are written in the Bible in terms of the phenomenal way it was written and, and how it's absolutely distinct from any book, any other book. And so in that belief that has been rooted in my study, I was able to look her in the eyes and say, it's, it's absolutely not a storybook. It's got some great stories, but it's, it's the word of God. And I, I've studied all, and she was, she was open to that. She's like, I, I, you, you remember when, when Jesus started speaking, the people around him were like, this, there's, something, there's something different about this person because he speaks with, anyone? Authority. authority. He speaks with authority. And they're like, you know, these Pharisees, they're kind of like, well, you can kind of divorce like if, you, if, if they burn the food, and you can kind of divorce if they, well, they, they didn't really have this like, I am, I am God, I'm in authority. But the Bible is like that. It is that. It is the word of God. So do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that he speaks to you, directs you, and commands you to do things and believe things personally in your life? Do you believe he speaks to you? This is, I believe this is one of the number one reasons why there are so many lukewarm believers in the world. So they don't actually believe. I love listening to your message again, Bob, that, that you were in this time of turmoil and you went to the Lord and he spoke to you and you read it. You were like, this is what he said. And it was totally in line with the word. And how cool is that? I don't, I don't know if you get that, but that's powerful that we have a living God that actually speaks English. <laughs> when, when am I supposed to end, Paul? I'm sorry. 6.30? 6.30? Okay. Praise the Lord. It is so good to speak his words. I, I just highly encourage you, like, Get, just believe that the words that God has for you to speak into the lives of others, is, it's going to profoundly change them. I have zero doubt this, that young Lou, I think her name is young Lou, is, is going to be pondering this. The Bible is that, she's like, I, I haven't found a spirit-filled church. So she actually was brought up Catholic, and she's looking for a church. She doesn't believe the Bible is the word of God, but she's seeking, right? God put me in her life to say, believe me, believe me. This Bible is way different.
than anything else that is out there. And that's going to convict your heart. Believe there's a Sabbath rest for you every moment of every day. I think this is a, this is a big one too. Um, and then this goes to the, obviously the topic of the night. So God wants us to understand what he tastes like. Taste and see that he is good. And when you've tasted him, so I was out there, I was back there worshiping the Lord, and I'm like, man, this worship team is, is truly holy and righteous and worshiping the Lord. And, and the people in this room are like that. And I, I don't know if you experienced that, but I've been into churches where, they, where you're like, where's the spirit? Because I believe because the people are not worshiping the Lord. And so the Lord's like, oh, there's just too much hypocrisy here. Like, he's, of course, there, and he's, of course, in people. But there's a, something profoundly powerful that happens when we gather in his name and we worship him with purity. It's just so good, and you experience it, and you feel it. Well, it's the same with the Sabbath rest. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I highly encourage you to talk to one of the leaders of this church and, and ask them about this more because God deeply desires us to experience his rest, his rest and his peace. And when we taste it and we taste it and we taste it, then we know when we don't, we're not in it, right? So then we're like, wait a second, there's something going on. Now, and this is huge. So for the, for the Israelites, when they were brought out of rest, God was like, was testing them. He was seeing what they were going to do, although, although he, of course, knew the future. But he wanted them in their unrest, because all of us would be not in rest without having water for three days. All of us, especially if we had kids, right? Wake up in the mind of sun this morning. He woke up, and he's like, I'm like, you got to get up. I'm sorry. He's like, I'm so thirsty, Dad. And I'm like, I, I know that. So I went and got him a glass of water, right? But imagine that if, he, if I didn't have it. And, and he was not 14, but he was like six. And he just wouldn't stop crying. And, you know, there's, there's this unrest, right, that could happen. And we have that in our lives. But what do we do with that? So my point in that was that there is there's unrest that's actually of God, that he draws us closer to him because he's taken his rest from us for a purpose. You know, I, it made me think of the Star Wars movies anybody a star wars fan so so you, you think i just picture like luke or or like yoda and they're like something amiss with the force like i sense it right but in the spirit it's similar to that right we can meet a person and, and, and right away we can say there's something amiss or or man you're filled with joy Man, it's so good. God is just, just so pleased because you're filled with joy. So there's, there's obviously the other side of it too, but we have to pay attention. Are we in rest? What is God doing? I, I oftentimes before I speak, I don't have rest. I, I'm anxious. And, and it's good. It's good because what I'm doing up here is a serious thing. And James, God says, don't, don't, be, take te- don't, don't be taking teaching lightly. Don't take teaching lightly it's a high calling it's a dangerous thing because I could be speaking things to you that are not true and so I like to try to always caveat my what I say with tested against the word of God that that anything I say that is not of him you would just be like that's a lie and and I would appreciate you bringing that to me if you if there's something I say that that doesn't ring right you know I listen to myself um 
and and you know I was praying that we would understand that everything comes from God and is the, the, you know is from the grace of God, and that's true on a level, but on another level, and this you know the grace flows through us by our obedience, right? So grace and obedience are also directly tied. So we can't just sit back on our backs and just be like, "This is the grace of God. Is going to touch everybody." I hope that made sense. <laughs> So believe that you, that there is a Sabbath rest for you every moment of every day. And when you step out of that rest, go to the Lord, seek him and say, why do I not feel rest? Oh, because I'm about to preach. Okay, so Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Please speak through me. Please don't let me speak anything that's not of you. Please don't let me be anxious up there. Just have confidence that, that you're the one who's in control. You're the one who's, who's got to speak to these people. It's not me. And then I get back to that place of peace. And he honors that prayer. Believe that you need to be diligent in paying attention to whether you are at rest with God. And believe that you are not alone, that you need to serve the body. This is big, too. I felt like this is a strong word for people here. If you consider this your body, I highly reckon Paula is one of Paula's incredible gifts is administration in this, this way, that she knows where people are gifted and puts them in a place where they are going to serve with passion. And so if you call this your body, 1 Corinthians, God is clear about serving the body and your gifts. So I would encourage you to say to Paul, hey, I don't know where I serve you. I don't even know if there's a place right now for me to serve. Please help me. Because as you read through the Hebrew, Hebrews, it's God is speaking to the church about rest, right? So there's a powerful word of rest to the church that comes when the church is united. And I think we've all felt that if we're honest, like about the church in America. Is, is the church in America really passionate and on fire for the Lord? Some, yes. Some, no, right? Some are embracing all sorts of crazy doctrine. We should not have peace in that area. We should be, I mean, we should have peace, but after we pray and after we're fervent, Lord, touch these churches, break them, set them free from these lies of the enemy that they would walk in your ways. Don't let the innocent come into these churches and buy the lies that, being, that are being heard. How, how many of us are praying diligently for the church, the body of Christ in America? So understand God's call for us as a church to be united and if you're not serving in your part, then there's a hand missing at Saturday Night Supper Club that only you can play that part in. And so take that conviction. Understand that the rest of God comes with right belief, but then it comes also united with our obedience to his word. So if you don't have peace, ask the Lord why, it's that, why you don't have peace. And he might say, because you're not serving the church, because you're not giving out of your abundance, because you're not, whatever it is. So make time to hear God's voice as a command of God for you in every area of your life, your work life, your marriage relationship, raising your children to know Jesus' commands. I can't tell you how many times God has brought me out of peace because of mistakes I've done. So last night, Hannah was sleeping over, at, and she'll hate me if she ever hears this, but she, she forgot to put a bra and underwear in her bag, and, and I was tired, had a long week, I could go into it for hours, and I picked up Noah from his work, and I'm at a store getting ice cream, because I love ice cream, as some of you know, 
and I'm at home, and Hannah calls me, and, I, and I'm like, I don't know this number, and I hang, I don't pick up. Calls again, hang up, calls again, and I pick up, and it's Hannah, and she's like, I don't have any underwear, and I don't have any bra, have a bra. And we had just come from the rock princess daughter, prince, uh, daddy daughter princess ball, and had a great time, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not coming, there's no way I'm going to go back and come back to where you at, where you're at. And she knows that I'm always like, we need to ask the Lord. So she's like, did you pray about it? And somehow I evaded the question. <laughs> well, this morning, guess what? The Holy Spirit convicted me. He brought, the, he brought Hannah to my mind. I didn't have peace about what happened. So I, I, I haven't talked to her yet, but I, tomorrow I'm going to absolutely say I'm so sorry, Hannah. I was so selfish. That was absolutely not of God. I should have gone home, gotten your bra and, and underwear, and come to you. Yeah, exactly. I didn't ask her permission. So you can erase that part, right? She doesn't need to know. Pray about where you live even, how you spend your money, what you should be meditating on in the word. Go to the Lord with all these things in your life that you would have his peace in every area of your life. And Jesus said that you don't need to have your whole body washed, but it, but it seems like every day we should stop and say, Lord, do you have peace with me about this day and what happened? I would say a large percentage of the time, in a good way, this is really important, it's a good way, right? When we, we don't have peace for because God desires to act, he's actually giving us and promoting us having more treasures in heaven. So we should never think of his conviction, his judgment on our lives as condemnation. It's actually liberating. I'm going to become closer to Hannah because I'm going to repent to her. I'm going to be teaching her how to repent, that it's okay to repent. And she'll be quick to forgive. She'll be like, I, she'll probably say, I know. But I let it go because I had empathy for you, Dad. She was convicted the other night. She left a message with me. I was at my life group on Thursday night. She was convicted because she was, has been dishonoring me. And how cool is God? I made her go and sit on the stairs and think about it for 12 minutes and, and what it means to dishonor your father and what that just, just how that transfers over to our dishonoring God and the, the father, the real, you know, the, the only true father. Well, the next day, her mother had a, a Bible study or a little like going over the word, and it was that scripture about honoring your mother and father that it would go well with you, that you would have long life, right? So she calls me after that, and she's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was good. She, was, she knew I would forgive her, but she's like, I, I was convicted. I'm sorry, Dad, for dishonoring you. Hallelujah, that she let the unrest that God had allowed in her life to push her to repent. So, I'm almost done, if not done. Okay. One, let's see. Do we want one more story? I wrote down like seven stories because I knew pa Paul loves his stories. All right, I'll pick one of these. Ooh, that was a good one. Uh, all right, this is fairly short. It goes along with the exhortation that I preached on the last time I was here. So I, I have a friend, um, and I've known him for years, and he's a strong, strong believer. And recently, um, I was with him at an event that, that he really shouldn't have been drinking beforehand at, and he shared with me that he struggles with alcohol addiction, and alcohol, loving alcohol. And so I let it be that night if I wasn't cowardly because I, I was with my kids, and 
my, my actual son had smelled the alcohol and even and, and smelled smoke and, and whatnot. But so in the flesh, I just want to let that go. Like he's he's with the Lord. He's serving the Lord. He knows the Lord. He knows what the word says. Just let it go. Right. So that's my inclination. Eh, just let it go. Just let it go. But guess what? No, the spirit would not give me rest about this specific person. And so now it's okay. When is it? How is it? So He's just like, just call, you know him so well, just call him and tell him what you're, you're, you're experiencing. The Lord, we know, is already convicting him, right? So I'm just confirming and affirming what he is hearing from the Lord. So I call him up and I say, hey, listen, are you smiling? He said, oh, it was just a, it was just a, a beer. And I said, don't lie. Now I was rising up in the spirit. <laughs> and I said, there's no way you smelled like that with one beer. Like I used to drink heavy and I know exactly what it smells like to have a, a good amount of alcohol. It's very different. And he said, well, it was a 40. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so that is true. But you, you were trying to, you know, I, I believe you were saying it was only a 16-ounce beer. I'm like, yes, you would smell like that if you had a 40. Um, and, but he was receptive to it, and he was humble, and he said, thank you. Thank you for, for, for exhorting me. I need that, right? And I've got to follow up with him now um, because I still don't have peace because he needs a brother. He needs a brother to walk alongside of him. And last thing I want to talk about is just don't allow the rest of God or the peace. Sorry, there is a false peace that can come on you, and it's not of God. And we have to be very sensitive to this as well. Is it the rest of God? God says that we can actually harden our hearts because of the deceitfulness of sin and how alluring that is, right? Because I have peace every time when I sit down and start watching a movie or a TV show. I pretty much zone out the spirit. I can be at peace for three hours, even though when I reflect on it, it's not of God. Not to say that movies are bad, but what I'm saying is that just be wary that there is a false peace, a false rest that is not of God, and that we we can actually walk into that. If we deny the conviction of the Spirit enough, we can actually deny what our spouse is telling us they desire from us. We can actually deny what the Lord is saying about our job situation. We can, we can, because we just start, we say we, we're not going there anymore. And the spirit, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but the spirit of God is a gentleman. The spirit of God is, at times, he may come in and blind somebody like, like he did Saul. But he's also a gentleman. And if we deny him and deny him and deny him, he says, okay. And we have to be, we have to be fearful of that. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time that we've had together. Thank you for for speaking to us about your rest. We love it. We love your rest. Oh, God, we thank you. Thank you so much for giving us your rest, the Sabbath rest. Every day, every moment of day of the day, we long for that rest. Make us aware when we're not in it. Help us to diligently seek it as we seek you and the reason behind why we're not at rest. We know you desire it for us. We know we have a lot to work on. We admit. We know there's a sanctification process and a testing of our faith that is good and produces fruit. So help us to not avoid obedience to you in your commands, even when it's hard, even when it means confronting a brother or putting the ice cream away and delivering a bra. 
because we desire to please you. We desire to serve you first and foremost. Hallelujah. Amen.